Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we'll do our best to let you know that they're coming. We've got a bit of a quarantine grab bag for you this episode, with thoughts on everything from Bill and Ted Face the Music to The Vow, which is HBO's new documentary about a most bogus sex cult. So instead of going straight to our main review, we're going to do a little bit of pop culture news here. We've got the good, the bad, and the somewhat interesting. Do you want to start with the good or the bad, Justin? Let's start with the bad, just because I think it's on everybody's mind in this uh, tough week. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, star of Black Panther um, and the James Brown biopic and the Jackie Robinson biopic. And the Marshall uh, Thurgood. uh, Marshall Thurgood (laughs) biopic. um, Passed away from cancer, which he had been... Um, working through for four years without telling anybody, um, which is insane. And he is like a real life superhero. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think the thing that really hit me the most was just seeing, you know, so many people being like, how do I tell my kids yeah. about the death of Black Panther in this yeah. time where just like we really need a black superhero like on screen? Yeah. And um, it's just sad. And I think just uh, such a, you know, young sort of talent with so much promise kind of for the future and it's just it's gone and it sucks because we can't have nice things yeah absolutely i mean i'm glad that he got to go out on his own terms um and that he worked to make sure he left behind somewhat of a leg or it's not somewhat a huge legacy for for the people that supported and loved him and you know good for him but 43 is much much too young and So I'm glad that he had his wife and his family with him and that, that he got to do it how he wanted. But it's 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 very sad. Yeah. Now and I need to go see some of his other work because I haven't yet. So I'm really I really want to go back and watch some of those movies that I haven't seen. So absolutely. Yeah. On how about our good news. The good news, um Claw's superstar Nisi Nash, who is possibly the kindest and most bright light out there in the world if you have not listened to her talk on any podcast even in particular i would say go seek out sam sanders it's been a minute interview with her as of it's like two or three years old at this point i listen to it once a year because it makes me happy because she's so wonderful and amazing and a bright light of happiness and all that is good in the world nisi got married uh today or announced that she got married today and she got married to a woman, which no one knew that that was even something that she was interested in doing. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And I love that she continues to not define herself and support all types of love. And I'm super uh, happy for her and her wife, Jessica Betts, who is apparently a musician. I am not as you know and know anything about music, so what do I know? I've never heard of her either. Actually, I'm, I'm curious to check it, check her out. Maybe I know that she did yeah. have a cameo on uh, a couple of episodes of Claws, so I'll have to rewatch again and look out for her. And I am thrilled for both of them, and just lovely photos, and I'm very, very happy. Yeah, she's so good in everything yes. she's in. Uh-huh. She is. You've probably seen her and stuff, and not known it so just go look her up and look at her looking amazing in her wedding dress and just that being waist. happy and, yeah, yes totally. she's <laughs> i think you only get to have that good a body if you're that good a person so totally. <laughs> i guess i'll never have it um the interesting we do have a release date for the stand that i've been talking about nigh on forever like almost longer than lovecraft country as we talked about last week uh it will be twelve seventeen on cbs all access it has gone from we're going to be this huge three trilogy movie directed by Ben Affleck to we're going to be on HBO to now we're on CBS all access, but the cast has always remained the same. Uh, they did release their first trailer. You can go out and find it. I found it on tvline.com. Uh, I, aside from the CGI wolves, which are always a problem. Uh, I think the small trailer that they've released looks good and I am still excited. 
I did um, watch it today, actually, and it's weird. My computer monitor at work is well that I work on at work. <laughs> Listen to me. Um, it was very um, hard to see. It was very dark, like physically. So oh, I need huh. to watch it again on a brighter screen because I was kind of like, "Is this just really dark, or is it my monitor?" But I think I think I it's your monitor. I watched it on my okay. phone, and it was pretty clear. Okay, cool. We'll have to check it out. Um, I'm sure it's going to be gory and whatever, but you know. I'm getting better with that stuff at the end of the world. Um, all right. Should we do our main review? Sure. Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, it is the return of the wild stallions. When was the last Bill and Ted movie? 29 remember. years ago. 29 years ago. That's insane. Yep. Uh, they say Keanu 25 Reeves? in this, in this movie, but it was 29 years ago. Wow. Keanu Reeves and Alex, is it winters or winter? I'm really I believe it's winter. This week, Winter are back for this third installment of the comedy series about time traveling rocker deeds. Uh, this time it's a family affair as their wives and daughters also get pulled into the adventure a bit. Um, it went straight to, well, it didn't go straight to VOD. I guess it's having some sort of theatrical run. Um, yeah, this has been kind of a like, oh my God, there's content on to watch um, on, you know, premium vod that's actually people are excited to watch so here it is what did you think of bill and ted face music okay so i went in expecting this to be a bill and ted movie and that is what i got and i have to say that i i adored it i adored all the cameos and the actual end message touched me and i ended up on the couch with um, my friends, all three of us crying, and I I thought it was lovely and fun and exactly the sort of mindless, silly Bill and Ted are a force for good in the world that I needed. Um, and you, Justin? <laughs> um, I did not care for this. And, you know, it made me just want to go back and revisit the first two movies and i have fondish memories of them I, n- I never thought they were like amazing so um i don't know i have recently I watched both different. of the movies and yeah and they, they for me that. they hold up for what they are i yeah think that they're very very fun and i remember thinking that the second one was like weird and funny like weirder and funnier and i sort of have fond memories of the second one for some reason but um i, I want to go back and see them but um this there was something just kind of depressing to me <laughs> about watching them in these roles and their recast wives who really actually don't have much to do in the story, even though they're sort of pulled into it. Um, but it's like a waste of what's her name from Glee. Um, Jama Mays. Yeah. And the kids are, are sort of set up as these Bill and Ted, you know, juniors. And I just didn't. They weren't very funny. They're just the the writing I thought was very flat. I just don't think I there was one laugh for me in this movie, which is at the very beginning of the wedding scene, there's a musical performance by Bill and Ted that I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. That was funny. That was weird. It was unexpected. And then the rest of it is just completely expected. Like it's just ticking off boxes. It didn't really feel like it went anywhere new to me. I kept being like, oh, we've already seen all these places um and then my other problem with it is just you know if you're making a movie with bill and ted's kids they're not going to care about even if they're in their 20s or whatever they're not going to care about hendrix they're going to be into like terrible hip-hop um and it's the show the movie didn't really i don't agree with that that. at all i don't know i just i'm sorry you meet my kid he's into hendrix he knows what Hendrix is, and he's that same. He's slightly younger than these kids are supposed to be, but absolutely not, especially not if you're raised by musicians who know the fundamentals and who are into those people. And, and but just I'm I'm, I'm just even saying you. like you have an opportunity to set up some oppositional forces in the script. Like there could be something there that created some sort of conflict or something interesting between you know, these two sets. Um, it just, I don't know. It kept, everything just kept falling flat. I love Christian Shaw. I thought she was totally wasted. I didn't laugh at that at all. Um, I liked, um, I always like, what's her name? Uh, God, I'm so bad with my names. Um, she plays the like head of the time council. Holland Taylor. 
Yes, I like Holland Taylor. <laughs> was she in the original ones? No. Okay. No, they. I think they cast her because they didn't no longer had Carlin, so she was supposed to be Carlin's, you know, widow. She was Kristen uh, Schaal's mom. The, okay, the whole right, your father would right. be proud of you. Your father. Your yeah. I did know that Kristen Schaal was supposed to be. I missed that part, but yeah. right. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. It just. It, I don't know why it exists. It just didn't. I feel like if for me, if I'm going to see a new Bill and Ted and it's called Face the Music, which I thought was going to be about them sort of facing their, um, you know, in a way it was about them facing their own mortality, but it could have really leaned into that a bit more. But um, that's not have, what Bill and Ted does. It's not supposed yeah. to be this big, you know, like looking inward message about life. It's supposed to be this funny sort of fun we're going to try and be as positive of, as we can and like the good things and be good dads. And, you know, I also kind of wonder if just like, you know, man, children who are like, you know, stuck in their surfer talk, white guy, whatever, like just not evolving, but being portrayed as like great, and nice and sweet and harmless. Like I, that just feels a little dated to me or something i just i don't know just yeah a but lot they of aren't trying to get away with anything bad this isn't like the man baby ness of you know oh i'm trying to not be a good person or i don't i don't see bill and ted that way they're just kind of dumb they're not you know yeah none of this would have mattered if it made me laugh which is it just didn't and I, as i said to you i'm not really laughing at much of anything these days so right. I think it says maybe more about just my state of mind right now during this hellish, hellish year. And that's um, fair. I I so. did think Samara Weaving was fun, um, but I want to give super shout out to uh, Brigitte. Uh, I'm sorry, Brigitte. Bridget <laughs> Lundy Payne, who played Billy, who played Ted's daughter. Um, they are a non-binary actor who I who. Uh, Parker really enjoys, but also I thought their impersonation of the way that uh, Keanu Reeves moves was spot on. I really, I really enjoyed the characterization of this is what Ted's child would, would move like. And I thought that Lundy Payne was really, really good. Really enjoyed them a lot. I did and, also like when they showed up to couples counseling with the wives that made me right. chuckle a little bit. <laughs> Couples. Um, yeah, there's two of us. We're a couple. Like the homoerotic implications of, of Bill and Ted, especially after, you know, the, the first couple of movies, there were a couple of think pieces about how they, you know, drop the F word and whatever. Right. And it's, you know, it's kind of funny that that's still like sort of the subtext of the, their friendship in some ways. So, Yep. Okay, so differing opinions. You're wrong. I'm right. Moving on. Did we want to talk about something else? <laughs> sure. I mean, I honestly don't have that much to say about it. It was certainly not the worst movie I've ever seen. And maybe if I'd gone to A-List and had a couple beers with you, I would have liked it better. And, you know, back in, back in the pre-times. Probably, because <laughs> I would have made everything better. Because my yeah, of enjoyment course. of it would have made you happy. Yeah, I watched it alone <laughs> and not very drunk and just depressed about the world. So, sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I wasn't very drunk, but I wasn't alone. And I was with two people who were in absolutely the same mindset of we're just going to sit and, and be into this. And that nice. was made it worth it. Good. That's awesome. What else did we talk about this week? So pop culture this week. Um, first of all, I think we need a new name because we're not recording weekly so much anymore. Although I guess it is like the week we're talking about it. Right. Um, so if there are any new names, you know, if you guys want to tweet at us, um, we're, we're open to. We're still out here. Put plague, plague pop watch. We, we saw what you did there. I don't know, like something, something fun. Uh, we saw know. what you did there. <laughs> I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. But, it's a little abstract. We could do yeah, that, though. Kind of um, like it. All right. I did what you saw there. I did what you saw there. Something. We'll get it. <laughs> we'll workshop it. Um, all right. So first up, The Vow, uh, as Fanny mentioned at the top, is an HBO documentary. How many parts is it? Going to be nine. Nine parts. Wow. Um, Yay! Dropping weekly on Sunday nights, Sunday nights, and Sunday nights, ten o'clock, uh, seven. If you're streaming, that's about the 
cult mark, multi-level marketing scheme, uh, Nixium, which I tried to type in the notes and then just said, I'm just going to call it the sex cult because I could not remember it's all the N-X-I-V-M, <laughs> and they actually did that on purpose to make it hard to search on the internet. Oh, really? it's pronounced oh, Nexium. And uh, they they went out of their way to try and make it hard to I that they have not said this in the documentary, but uh, yes, cult freak over here already knew about Nexium and a lot of their shit, um, and knew that the reason that it is an odd spelling is that they went out of their way to make it hard to find on the internet. See, that's interesting. I wonder why they haven't brought that up yet. Um, they probably will. Yeah, I mean, there's I nine episodes. They're going to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was in the news, um, I don't know, two years ago, a year ago, mm-hmm. when it was sort of the case broke um, against the leader, uh, Keith, whatever his name is. Rainier. Um, Keith Rainier. And there uh, were some fairly high profile actors involved. Um, Battlestar Galactica's uh, Grace Park and uh, somebody else who played Callie, uh, whose name I can't remember. Yeah, her name. Uh, are you talking about Bonnie? Yes. Yeah, her her name's Bonnie. I don't remember her last name, but the most it, the other one is. Oh no, not CW. Bonnie. That's uh, Bonnie was from. Um, Star oh, Star Wars, Wars right? Yeah, and the there Battle was Star Galactica. Another, there's another person yeah. who played but the Callie, main, who's this very sweet character on that show. Yes. So it was very sad to hear. I did enjoy Cat. If you go back and listen to when Justin forced me to watch Battlestar Galactica, I really did like Callie. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't like that you couldn't get Daggett back, but anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> and the but the lots of the CW people particularly got uh, pulled in by uh, Allison Mack, who was a D-list actor from uh, the CW from Smallville, right? Which I I believe I Smallville, yes. Remember seeing a couple episodes of that and thinking I don't really like this show, but I liked her. So yep. again, just weird and sad that these people are getting pulled into this. Um yeah, so what did you think that we've seen two episodes so far? I Okay, I I really like a cult as we know. I knew enough about this to be intrigued and the fact that they are digging into this cult and the minutia of the process i am this is darling nip this is exactly what i want i am glad that they didn't drop it all at once because i would probably be in a hole of depression after nine hours that i would sit on my couch and watch but i would sit on my couch and watch it for nine hours um i like the way they are kind of unveiling they're they're leaving crumbs for the bigger picture i only know because i kind of know some of the bigger picture i think the way they are setting up their story is very interesting um and i i am fascinated by this by cults in general but in particular why anyone would decide that this was the guy that you were going to turn into a guru and follow and devote your life to and have yourself branded for. And the more they show him, the more gobsmacked I am by it, which makes it even more fascinating. I am on board for the vow. You. Thanks. Um, I have some complicated contradictory thoughts as usual. Um, I like it and I'm going to keep watching it. Um, I don't know how much of that is just like, I don't know. I'm just like, what? it's on TV. I guess I'll watch it. Um, (laughs) What else do you have to do? (laughs) Exactly. But it's definitely my main complaint is so far the two episodes feel a little slow, a little padded. Um, There's a lot of really small beats. So apparently he was asked to document um, the cult or he decided to document the cult and they let him. I I think both. Yeah. And so there's all this footage which is very sort of like professionally shot. And that's my other weird thing is like, I am sometimes like, could all, what, could all of this have been filmed? It's just so strange that it's like, is it, was any a it reenactments? Filmmaker. Yeah. And, and, and Keith but, Rainier wanted documentation of how awesome he was. So I, it's not odd to me that they have this footage. Wow. I it's, mean, it is. it's odd to me that they aren't trying to stop it. I mean, I guess, right. I mean, spoiler alert, the guy's in prison, so I don't know how he would get an injunction to stop it. Right. So, Yeah, and it. I wonder at which point, like, we're at the point at the end of the second episode where he clearly knows he's got an antagonist. So it's like, are we right. are we now out of footage? Like, is, is the rest of it going to be like, he clearly wouldn't let him continue filming at, at this point. Right. Um, I mean, probably not to the same. He won't have the same access. Right. Know? I mean, California right. is a one-way 
state. So he may have phone recordings and things like that. You only need one person's permission to record in California. Um, right. So he may have voice recordings, but I bet he doesn't have any more film. And then it's just also interesting. I feel like there's some, I can't tell if the withholding stuff that we're going to find out later, but maybe this is what you were talking about, yes. but it does feel like, yes, they are. <laughs> okay. Cause it's like Bonnie, you know, she's on to something and she's heard stuff and she's telling her husband about it. And at the same time, you're like, well, what did you hear? And how did you find out about it? <laughs> like, um, that, part that is the whole offshoot. Me. That's the whole like sister. What they're not getting into yet is the entire sister offshoot cult that Allison Mack was in charge of that ended up being sort of a a, a harem, basically. Right. And, and we, all of we just kind of hear about it at the end of that second episode. Yes. So and and I'm sure that somebody in that that particular sect, if you will told Bonnie what was going on with them and Bonnie right. was like, so we're fucking out of here and you come with me or I'm leaving your ass. Right. So. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting because really, right. From our perspective, she's, we're, we're seeing him being like, Oh, I got to trust my wife. But you're kind of like, well, what did she tell you? And then they just save it for the very end of that episode. Right. Like, oh, okay. Well, because <laughs> you yeah. know, Nerd. and I got branded is a real good exit line. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Man, it's it's interesting though, in that I find that woman who's the kind of right, you know, right hand woman, like the second in command. Um, yeah, she she's is terrifying. Um, she she's is like creepy. Sarah and Palin I, with like I don't know weird. And I do powers. not. I mean, Keith Rainier. I mean, I know that Charles Manson's no great shakes, and I don't understand how people fell in love with him and went and murdered people for him and all that stuff, but. Keith Rainier is like a troll. I do. Yeah. No, he's I don't like under- so unattractive. Like. No. And he's like mal-shaped. Yeah. Strangely <laughs> proportioned. And yeah. good Lord, just because the man tells you he's smart and good looking doesn't mean you have to believe him. Yeah. I, and every time I'm, he sits down to play the piano and is like, you oh. know, like, oh, I'm not very good at this. And you're just like, shut up. Oh, oh my God. I can't and- wait to. Anybody that wants to play that much volleyball <laughs> with a ponytail. Yeah, no, you got to leave. But the third <laughs> night of volleyball a week. No, you're like, dude, uh-uh. I'm well, going to end funny. up branded in a sex cult. The filmmaker at the center of it, too, is sort of a like kind of an interesting character, but also like you can see why he got sucked in because oh, he sort yeah. of has some of the same dumb stuff himself a little bit. You can tell. Well, yeah, he got um, his ego so pumped up and you can tell from the nicknames that they have for each other and how yeah. the Rainier just told him how awesome he was. And it was like, Oh, nobody ever told you you were good before. And if you Google guy, Google that guy's name, um, it's like filmmaker, Something, something whistleblower. Like even, even this is part of his like identity kind of yep. quest. There's something kind of icky about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that had it not been for his wife, who he probably feels like he's not good enough for, right. you know, standing up and probably. getting out was because, oh, my, my hot wife, my hot famous wife is who has a beautiful voice is going to leave me, which right. fine, if that's what gets you out, good for her and good for her for propping him up and making it happen. But it doesn't say a lot about that guy, you know? Totally. Totally. So but I'll keep watching. I am excited. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing it'll pick up a bit. Now, <laughs> now that here's where we're going to make table. you happy. So the way that we dealt with, the very heaviness of this cult and getting out and, and uh, I, I'm watching it with uh, Layla and, and Olive is uh, Layla has, we, we watch it in what is known as a Steven universe sandwich. So we have two or three episodes of Steven Universe before the episode of The Vow, and then two or three episodes of Steven Universe after, because you have happy, good strength, and then horrible, awful cults, and then happy, good strength, and people doing the right thing. So... There you go. Uh, I watched I six episodes of Steven Universe. Universe. Are you happy? Uh, are you enjoying it? <laughs> yes, of course. Especially as a chaser. Well, sure. yes. And especially yeah. with those two, you know. Yeah. They, yeah. There couldn't be a person in the world who loves with childlike open eyes 
Steven Universe more than Layla <laughs> as they sit and sing the songs along with it. There's no way you couldn't just, uh, you have to love it. It's nice. It's, I may need a video of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll have to get permission because even though it is only a one way uh, state, right, right. I still. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Should we talk about I May Destroy You, which yes, um, wrapped up on HBO? Um, this show we talked about a few weeks ago, Michaela Cole's. Um, show about her real experiences um sexual assault and sort of piecing together everything that happened to her that night and sort of negotiating everything with her friendships and her family um that's a show that we both i think really have enjoyed for the most part um and it just ended with i think 12 episodes um it's on hbo um it was, what did you think of the it was 12 10. i think yeah something yeah something like that a lot yeah what'd you think I am not sure how I felt about the finale. I understood what they were trying to say in the finale and I got the message. I'm just not sure I agreed with it up until the last episode. I thought I couldn't really find a misstep with this show. I thought it was compelling. It was interesting. It made you want to keep watching. The acting was phenomenal. Uh, everybody's story was interesting and the reveal of her remembering the sexual assault was devastating. And I just th thought that the last episode was slightly a little bit of a letdown from that. And I don't know what, what would have made the payoff. Okay. Because I don't know how you really bring that around. Yeah. But I just felt a little, let down by the finale up until that point i thought it was one of the best shows i've ever seen literally like ever so, yeah what'd you think I'm, I'm right there with you it's just something about that finale uh i mean like you said it's just like i don't know how you end this in a way like um right it you know spoilers coming from me destroy you um the spoilers are that there are no spoilers it's really this sort of ending where she um imagines three different responses to sort of knowing kind of what happened and how that would resolve for her um and of course you know the message being like there's no there's, no there's never a clear resolution and it never really goes away and it never feels resolved no matter how you sort of play it out um i so i mean i didn't totally dislike that but i feel like there was so much other stuff built up in the show, including her friends um, and even some of her enemies and it just, and her parents and her family and just like all that stuff was so like, so captivating. I mean, there's a scene, I think maybe an episode or two before that, where she talks to her family and tells her mother, um, you know, while they're having a dinner party, um, which was one of the most devastating scenes I've seen on television ever is her mother just kind of sitting there and having to sit with, you know, the knowledge of what happened to her daughter. Um, that was so well done. Um, and, and of course I didn't, I don't want like tidy resolutions of those things, but there were just like these little moments that were so captivating that then just were sort of pulled back out and it was just left with kind of her and her, her pain and confusion. And I guess that's how that probably feels. So I, I sort of Absolutely. respect it in some ways. Um, but yeah, as just like a narrative ending, it was very just sort abrupt, of like, I don't know. But yeah, also abrupt not or, abrupt in a strange yeah, way. It yeah. Was, you know, it, but I respect yeah. the hell out of it and I loved it. I just, and maybe that's, that feeling of I don't know what to do with this may very well been have have been what she was going for, and I respect that as well. It's right. just going to take me a while to kind of reconcile it. I think. Yeah, and just she's so amazing, and I just yeah, I'm so happy can. for her that she's doing all this cool stuff and just like very and that she you know, owns it too you know it. yeah that she completely. stood up and said you know what this is mine and i'm gonna keep it even if it means i don't work in this town again and walked away from netflix is pretty amazing and yeah. good for good for her and good for hbo for saying okay yoinks we'll take that you know <laughs> i've also never seen a show that uses wigs to, to such good uh narrative arc to you know purposes oh. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> the wig 
wig game in that is fantastic. Um, yeah, so worth watching. I think we absolutely we both agree. no, no, no. Um, do not take any bizarre f- feelings or weird feelings that we have about the finale as any negative connotation about watching it. It is still so worth watching. I think it also now that it's all dropped, it probably would be a sort of different experience watching it kind of in chunks, you know, probably and getting yeah. through it faster. Yeah. Um, Cause there were definitely times too, where I felt like it, it felt a little meandering. Um, but I wonder if you were able to just kind of jump back in, if it would feel that way. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Totally shifting gears. Should we talk about how far are you in Lovecraft country? I did not watch last night's yet because oh, I woke up at five okay. o'clock this morning and went, okay. you know what? I'm going to sleep for an hour instead of I'm going to get up and watch Lovecraft Country. <laughs> so I have only watched two. Okay. I But I, my pop culture this week, and I'll just say it right now, is that I'm reading the book and I am halfway through it. And I think the book is great. So I think I know what the third episode is about because it is super following the same arc. Yeah. I, I am assuming it is the haunted house. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, this, I, as we talked about last episode, go back the pilot. Um, I liked, I was a little surprised by kind of how silly it was. Um, I sort of liked that and sort of wanted to see where it was going. And I wasn't sure about the characters. Um, the second episode I thought was a total lemon for me. It was just all over the place, like so crazy packed with plot that you couldn't even really care about anything that was happening because so much was happening. Um, and then it just sort of resolved and it was like, not, I think now everybody's talking more openly about how this is more of kind of connected anthology show, but sort of watching that the first time I was like, what, yeah. <laughs> like what just, I, I thought this was going to be like half the season or something, or we were going to follow like simultaneous stories or something. Right. But that episode's pacing was just uh, for me, just like, impossible to latch on to anything. Um, and just the bad guys in that, I just and was I like, I think that's don't even care who they are at this point. <laughs> um, I think the, yeah. that having read that far in the book really helped me with that episode. I I don't know right. that I would that I I don't know that I would not have agreed with you had I right. not already taken in and realized okay, these things resolve quickly and it's going to become, you know, there's going to be a tie-in at the end and this is going to be Monster of the Week. And and uh, apparently Ruff, uh, he pitched this originally as a television show and he when he, oh, his elevator pitch was, this is the X-Files if Mulder and Scully were uh, black travel writers in, Jim, in the Jim Crow South. Um, and, yeah. And he got, he had interest and ultimately it fell apart. And so he decided that he didn't want to just write short stories, that he would make it this, he would try and do this sort of television episode like draw together novel. And so because I was prepared for that, because I'd been reading it, I followed the second episode very well and went with it much more, I think, than if I had had no idea what the, you know, if I was not. If I was not already introduced to what was going to be happening, I don't know that I that I wouldn't have had the same reaction that you did. Right, right. Well, I will say I liked the third one a bit better. Um, I yeah, I, I'll, I'll wait to talk about it, but I definitely okay. It it felt much more just sort of like oh okay, this is like an episode of the X Files, and I enjoyed it for that. Um, it has so far been my favorite. Um, chapter just because i like the way that uh in the book she's called tisha in the show she's called letty interacts with the ghosts and um i liked the i i really enjoyed that chapter so i'm expecting to enjoy this episode yeah i'll be curious um, and i think Jordan Small is good. i think we'll have some to talk about she's really good um everybody's good that the, f- yeah. the father character who's now sort of replaced the uncle character in the narrative i'm like I liked the uncle better, so I'm sure that's all on by design, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, so, wait till next week. If it follows the next chapter, you'll get yeah. more information. We'll keep watching. It is, uh, the third episode was disgusting. Um, it's, yeah, I yeah, can see it's, that. It's gross. Um, but I, 
it's funny. I don't know why. It doesn't bother me as much as monstery ghost stuff never bothers me quite as much, but there is some, yeah, we'll talk. Well, and their violence isn't, I mean, it's all so fakey, you know, weird, pulpy, over the top. Puck That's didn't true. like it either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no gross special effects, Puck says. No, she doesn't like it. She does not think it's good. Now she's tilting her head at me like, what I do? I was reading somebody on Twitter who was talking about how scary it was and how they were mad at their friends for telling them they had to watch it because it was too scary. And I was like, I don't think it's scary in the slightest. <laughs> like, no, I have, so far have not been afraid of it. Now, I haven't been afraid of the book either. It really has a pulp, you know, kind of almost satire. 50s, yeah. Yeah. 50s drive-in type. Yeah. yeah. I want somebody to lean out of the car and yell, focus, which <laughs> I love and enjoy, but it does not scare me. You know? Right. Yeah. It's very, very silly stuff um, with obviously some serious stuff so sort of underpinning it. Of course. Oh, um, no. it's And yeah. that's and I love that, that it's telling, you know, that it has these very Ooh. serious uh, societal messages that it's talking about without, you know, inside of a very pulpy and not cheesy, but campy facade. Definitely campy. It isn't scary. Yeah. Right. I I don't know. I'm still, I have enjoyed both episodes. Yeah. Looking forward to the third episode. Probably we'll watch it tonight along with half of the rest of the list of your list of pop culture this week that I didn't watch because I was watching law and order reruns. All right. Well, I will dig into my my half now. Well, there you go. That's, I mean, there's no judgment. People need to just watch whatever they need to right now because this shit is getting old. <laughs> so you got to see whatever really, you Really, really old. Yeah. Um, I watched Class Action Park, a documentary on HBO Max. Um, I also have now figured out how to, maybe I talked about this last week. That's how soggy my brain is these days i figured out how to watch hbo max on my laptop yes. and then project it to the apple tv downstairs on now i've just hooked up the apple tv downstairs so i can i can watch hbo max as long as i don't mind poking around on my computer a little bit uh class action park is a true documentary about a 80s amusement park in northern new jersey uh that was notorious for uh people dying like everything's people legal died. in new jersey Oh, yeah. I listen to a lot of Hamilton now. <laughs> this Sorry. Park, <laughs> this park had a loop-de-loop water slide. Um, yes, it goes upside down in a loop. Uh, they don't actually have footage what? of the kids dying, um, but there are animated segments that are very cartoony that show these like kids banging around in this loop-de-loop water slide. It um, has a, there's a wa- what now? Yeah. There's a wave pool that like four people died in or something. I'm like, how do you die in a wave pool? <laughs> um, uh, and what else? There's just crazy like jump off the cliff things. And like there's sort of one of these like lazy rivers, except they modeled it after like a class four Colorado um, rapid <laughs> situation. That's not lazy. Lazy <laughs> means something. <laughs> lazy would imply oh la 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 i'm on a light little stream (laughs) this this documentary is it is fun it's like fun for how bonkers it is and you don't have to really see anybody die but it's so weird because you're like laughing at it all and just like this is insane this is insane and then at the very end there's like a mother whose actual kid died at the park who's talking about her anger and you're just like whoa like change the gears here for like <laughs> a little bit like it just it's very odd the the documentary the structure of it but um oh i don't know I'm, I'm a sucker for like real 80s footage of this like weird water park and then across the street um there was like a a, a more adult section that had more like cars and motorboats and it was just a giant jersey bar basically set in like a you know bumper car like um water boat scene so all sorts of terrible stuff happened there too i also watched high score on netflix this is a like six part documentary about sort of the history of video games but not really um this is a documentary that i admired um in that it is basically looking at creators of video games um fans of video games that were sort of in the margins it focuses um 
on just people who you don't really know as as well. And that includes like a trans woman who was like, uh, you know, a top scorer of, um, you know, Space Invaders when, when she was a kid. Um, and then she becomes a game designer. There's um, a black uh, gay uh designer who basically did the big like Madden football thing that they did for one of the platforms. Um, there uh, is, yeah, there's just like quirky people that you're just like, wow, these are the people on the kind of sidelines that don't get the same sort of, you know, press as some of the bigger wigs. So I admired that part of it because it really does a good job of tying some of that, like, you know, how video games can be freeing from an identity perspective. And I think that's really fascinating, even though I don't really like or care, you know, about video games at all. But I was sort of moved by some of their stories around that. But the problem is it just, it's such a huge topic and it just kind of jumps from episode to episode to these random quirky people. And the story of video games is so fascinating that it just, you almost want a little more of that. It just doesn't tell a very good narrative about the history of video games, but it sort of sets itself up to be that. So I don't know, worth, worth checking out if you're interested in, in kind of video game culture. I, it was, I don't know, kept me entertained for six episodes. Um, Central Park uh, on Apple TV, the animated show, um, which is, you know, from the same creators as Bob's Burger. I finished the show. Finally, I'd sort of been slow to get around to it, but I realized Apple TV subscription is coming up. I better finish it before I cancel Apple TV. Um, and, Oh, yeah, I better remember that, too. (laughs) Exactly. I think it's been almost a year. Um, This show is delightful. It just maintained the whole way through. The voice cast on this thing is outrageously good. Every guest that comes on is somebody you know um, doing hilarious stuff, singing songs that are like something out of like Hamilton or, um, you know, Book of Mormon. Basically, Andrew Rennells and Josh Gad have a reunion as like battling, uh, you know, park buskers or whatever, and they sing this great duet. And I forgot what a great singer Andrew Rennells is. And he and Josh Gad have such funny chemistry. Um, I just was kind of charmed. I was charmed by the whole thing. And Stanley Tucci as the evil um, Bitsy, who's trying to take over um, the park with her dog Champagne, who's like miserable and depressed. Um, and then David Diggs plays her uh, assistant, um, who's also a woman. That's um, quite a bit of fun, sort of gender cross casting. Um, yeah, it's I love it. It's the show's great, and I cannot. But they're doing season two. They fixed the Kristen Bell casting problem, and yet she's also still going to be in it, just as not a biracial character. So I love that they want to keep her in the universe, and everybody's happy about that. Um, this show's just fun and charming, and makes me miss New York and love New York, and I love it. Um, I watched on Disney Plus. Speaking of another service that I'll probably get rid of soon, um, Howard, a documentary about Howard Ashman, um, who wrote the, the lyrics and some of the music for a lot of the classic kind of late '90s, uh, late '80s, early '90s Disney movies like Little Mermaid. Um, he was gay. He eventually dies of AIDS. Spoilers, but that's his life, and uh, it's it's really moving. I thought it was really interesting and just it really talks about sort of how many queer people were in kind of Disney that you didn't really know, you know, there was so many queer fans and sort of, you know, creators at Disney, but you didn't really hear that story publicly. And so it really sort of shines a light on, on his story and his contributions. He was a weird theater kid um, and just really seems like kind of a lovely person and just follow his development of all these songs. You know, fair warning, I don't love all those Disney songs. They're not my favorite. Like, you you watch some of them now and you're like, oh, this, like, ruined Broadway culture for, like, 10 years. Um, but it's really, I don't know. It's just moving. I, I enjoyed it. Um, good documentary. And I also have been reading um, a co-worker of mine, uh, Melissa Valentine, who um, works at company I do. She wrote a memoir last year um, on... Uh, it was printed by Feminist Press, um, which is a small public, uh, publishing house I'd never heard of. It is called The Names of All the Flowers. Um, 
this book is amazing. I am so happy I read it. And I don't actually know her. She works in a, in a different office than I do. So I, I talked to her briefly on email, but I'm kind of trying to figure out how to craft an email to her and tell her how much I loved her book because it was so moving and amazing. It is basically just a, a memoir about her life growing up in Oakland and um, she comes from a you know mixed family. She's biracial and her it's really about her brother sort of getting involved in, you know, rough stuff in Oakland and her protectiveness of him and her feelings of powerlessness and her guilt about, you know, being a sort of smart kid who sort of was going to get out of that situation when her siblings, well, that sibling couldn't. Um, it's really, really moving. Um, and also just as somebody from the barriers, last episode, we talked about uh, the Moshe Taylor book. Uh, Moshe, wow. Moshe Kesher my brain tonight, um, who also wrote about growing up in the Bay Area on um, the Oakland Berkeley border. And this is, could not be more different. Like it, reading it right after made me a little like, oh, that much catch book is not very good. But, you know, they're just different experiences. And I think that, you know, these books are both sort of parts of the stories of the Bay Area. And I don't know, I'm just enjoying that stuff right now. Um, I'm also reading The City We Became uh, by N.K. Jemison. It is her sort of urban fantasy novel where basically all the characters of all the boroughs of New York basically have an avatar, like a person who sort of represents them in this battle against some sort of Lovecraftian hordes. Interesting that Lovecraft keeps coming up in all these sort of black uh, fantasy and sci-fi writers. Obviously he was crazy racist as we talked about on a previous episode. And now people are sort of engaging with that. I think in an interesting way, it is fun. It is nothing like the broken earth trilogy, which I read and raved about on here. That book was very serious and very dense. Um, this really moves along. It's got more humor. It feels more kind of written for a different audience. Um, but it's, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's good. I'll be done with it soon. Um, that's the city we became NK Jemison. Finally, I wanted to play a song. Let's go out on a happy song. Um, I have not played a song in a while and I wanted to play something from a young queer artist named Chica. Um, she it's C H I K A. She is from Alabama. Um, she has a song called you should from this, uh, new EP industry games. It's very kind of jazzy rap R and B, but just a really good energy. And she's really just kind of cool and promising. And I want to see where she goes. Uh, let's take a listen to Chica. I've been watching across the room. I want to dance, a dance. It's a Sipping my drink, trying to make a decision on how I can shoot my damn shot with precision. I swear that it's harder than what I envisioned. Cause mama got ass for days, but hold herself well, she got class for days. Walk in the room and got niggas consumed, now they all rushing home to go master. Wait, I'm talking my shit. She like the sun. It's how you feel when you stun. It's how you feel when you won. Yes, I'm a hopeless romantic, but don't think I'm manic when saying I think you the one. Okay, that was Chica. You should from her Industry Games EP. Uh, we got a next. We got we to gotta we go do. out on this. Um, but you know what? You have to say it because as much as I support it and I prop it up and I'm with you, I cannot, my mouth cannot form the words because this person has meant way too much to me in my life. So take it away, Justin. So I saw Loretta Lynn in New York in, I don't know, God, early 2000s, probably back when she was having sort of that mini comeback uh, with a group full of gay men. And, it, you know, it was super fun. And she was feisty and wonderful and crazy. She was a little bit lecherous towards her son, which was creeping us all out. I'm just going to say that. Um, but so we all know, we've all been hearing stories that she's been sort of a Trump supporter. I don't know. Did you know that? I've been hearing it. Um, sort of. Yeah, no, I knew it. I just ignored um, it on purpose. Because just ignored it. Yeah. Because I, want to get I cannot fixing. tell you what she has meant to me. So, yeah. and yeah. And today there was news that she had some sort of mock wedding because her her son got so what renewed was the, his real? vows renewed his renewed vows. vows 
And so she was having some mock and Kid Rock was basically involved in the wedding somehow. So they had a mock wedding. Um, Kid Rock, if you don't know, is a scumbag. <laughs> it's bad enough that to be part. a Trump supporter. <laughs> to, to quote um, Niecy Nash, that part. <laughs> he is a gross vile human being who basically profits off appropriating black culture and then like supports politicians who completely like do nothing to help that group. Um, he's the worst kind of um, appropriator. He's, he's, he's disgusting. Hideous. Yeah. And also he's just hideous. Um, and the fact that Loretta Lynn is aligning herself with that, even if it's a joke, I don't, it's just like, you look at Dolly Parton well, they, and then you look they at said we did Exactly. And they said, oh, we did it to like stir up the tabloids and to like, so it's like we did, did this to poke fun at the media and all these people that, you know, all those, you know, to upset the libs basically is what they were saying. Ugh. And I, yeah, Dolly Parton, who is a force for all that is good in this world right now and has been since even before nine to five and Buffy and propping up the little guy and making sure that good art gets made and that kids have books and you can be from the South and you can sing, you know, the down home music and not be a scumbag that supports scumbags. And it really, really makes me sad. It's really sad. Loretta Lynn, don't be one of those old white ladies. Like we're nixing you, but Please, please come back from this next somehow before you. We will unnix you if you fix yeah. it. Yeah, your your clock is ticking. We yeah. we get it, but like go out on something a little better. Um, all right, and, and I'm still listening to the music. I can't help it. I don't have to love her, but I can listen to the old music that she made in the '50s. Come on, she, I can do it. She's 60s. your Kanye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean. I'm not going to not listen to You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> That's the song that Layla and I sing together when we're drunk. That's uh, our song. We're taking your IP. It's much like Harry Potter. We're taking your IP and we're, and it's, and it's ours. Nice. Yeah. We'll do a fit. We'll do like a fanfic uh, biography when she passes. So. Perfect. Uh, cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to tell us anything about anything we talked about, um, we had a lot of topics in there. Bill and Ted, like I'm sure a lot of you saw it because, again, what else are you going to do? Um, tell me I'm stupid and heartless. That's totally reasonable. 80 percent on, on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just saying 80 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 80 uh, percent of people who are depressed and miserable in the quarantine said eh, it, it's allowed it. No, allowed it to prop them up. Unlike you, curmudgeon man who decided to take it out on the movie. <laughs> Uh, we're at Facebook. I I will get back to posting on Facebook, even though Mark Zuckerberg is a horrible human being. But um, yeah, what else? What Puck else doesn't like her, like him either. Yeah, uh, you can email us. Is a great option. Motion Nix at Gmail. Um, you can tweet at us at the Next Podcast. Uh, you can tweet at Fanny at at Fanny V Darling, and you can tweet at me at Justin Hartung because I am also back on Twitter because I have no um, backbone apparently. Um, Puck is not on Twitter. <laughs> All right, Puck is not on Twitter, but we'll post a picture of Puck on Twitter as always. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>